TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. The Twins wrap up a deal with Byron Buxton ahead of a Friday deadline, but don't be surprised if they don't wrap up deals with their other arbitration-eligible players. Some, but not all, the Twins went to a trial last year on Kyle Gibson. I guess I would not be shocked if they end up going to at least one trial again this year. We'll get to that during this Scoop podcast. Also... I've been asked a lot about Chauncey Billups. We've had a lot of dialogue this week about Ryan Saunders, rightfully so, which we will continue on this podcast, plus Fred Hoiberg, Dave Yeager, but not as much on Chauncey Billups. I have some insight to offer on Chauncey. This is Scoop Podcast episode 195 being recorded early evening on Thursday, the 10th of January. We'll go interview, interview, then notes after the two conversations. We will begin with Amani Hooker in just a second, then transition to Cole Aldrich, who has known Ryan Saunders for a really long time. Forget the two years that they spent together with the Wolves. Aldrich was on last year's Wolves team the year before as well. So he was around with Ryan as an assistant coach, but him and Ryan go back even further than that, way, way back. So we'll catch up with Cole on Ryan Saunders. Cole back stateside after injuring his right knee in China. He expects to go back to China later this month to finish the Chinese basketball season, which is shorter than the NBA. So when he goes back there, he'll likely only play in a few more games and the season will wrap up. So we'll get to Aldrich, then notes after that. But let's begin with the pride of Park Center High School. I should mention, by the way, the Scoop Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie, MyBookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. I'll tell you more about MyBookie later in the podcast. Let's start with the pride of Park Center High School. He is a money hooker. He finished his junior season for the Iowa Hawkeyes with 65 tackles, four interceptions, and seven passes defensed. He was named the Big Ten's defensive back of the year and a second team All-American, six feet tall, 210 pounds, has position flexibility, He declared for the NFL draft. He could have gone back to Iowa for his senior season, but heck, when you're an All-American, when you're the Big Ten defensive back of the year, your stock is incredibly high. So he declared the other day for the NFL draft. Let's catch up now with Amani Hooker. Amani, I appreciate your time. Why don't you just take us through your thought process, the decision-making process that led you to declare for the NFL draft? Um, You know, coming off a good season, not just individually, but as a team and um, you know, my team having a good season, you know, it brings accolades, individual accolades across the board, not just for myself, but many guys on the team. And, you know, after a lot of discussion with my family and, and friends and other mentors, um, it was just the right decision for me at the right time. Who else did you lean on? I mean, did you lean on the draft advisory board? Yeah, I leaned on that a little bit. I mean, obviously you want to know, like, where they see you at. And, you know, I heard some good things back and, after talking with my brother as well, because he's one of my, my biggest mentors, he had a lot of a lot of say in it too. How does that work with the draft advisory board? I mean, is it a first round grade, second round grade, or other? Is it just those three choices? Yeah, it's those three choices, and then you know they'll give you like a a comment sheet. Uh, there'd be like about you know six to eight teams that you know look at you individually, and they give you their comments and where they see you fit. So, are you? Did they give you a second round grade or an other grade? I had. 
some second round grades and then some other grades. Okay, and so it's kind of a mixture of, of both. Yeah, and I mean, you're right. I mean, you look at all your accomplishments. I mean, Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year, second team All American. I mean, frankly, you know, from afar, it just appears to me, Amani, like, I mean, really, mm-hmm. what else was there to accomplish in Iowa City? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, that's awesome. I mean, those are those are one of my goals, you know, coming into college and to to get those goals. You know, it's really a blessing. And I mean, there's, I could I definitely could do a lot more. Obviously, I didn't have the you know the perfect season I wanted to get the stats that I wanted, but you know, I'm just blessed to be where I was at. How much position flexibility do you have? Did I hear correctly that you shifted from your safety spot to end up playing what some cornerback and even some linebacker this past year? Yeah, um, you know, beginning of the year I was mainly a safety, and uh, before the season started, uh, and Coach Parker, our defensive coordinator and defensive back coach, talked about you know moving some guys around just to help out against pass-heavy teams, and you know I took on that challenge. I raised my hand. He asked who wanted to try it out, and. You know, I raised my hand. I always thought it was cool to, you know, just play different positions and stuff. So, yeah, I played, like, the outside linebacker, like the nickel spot. And then some games I was at the corner when it was, like, third and medium and long. Is yeah, Minka, cool. yeah, is Minka Fitzpatrick, the former Alabama Crimson Tide, you know, high pick yeah. of, of the Dolphins, yeah. is he somebody that you look at and say, okay, you know, I can play like him? I mean, he was used in all sorts of different ways at Alabama. Yeah, I mean, growing up, like, my high school, my junior senior year, I always, like, thought he was, like, super good. I always wanted to be, like, be his position because our body type was kind of the same and yeah I really looked up to him on the playing field I didn't really know him as a person nothing like that but uh, whenever whenever you played I was always watching yeah anybody else that you mirror your game after or guys that you you know you admire from afar and you watch film of um probably similar to you know Jamal Adams mm-hmm. I mean I wouldn't say I'm, I'm just like him but I mean similar like tackling the space Jamal Adams is really good in that and playing in, inside the box you know obviously you know he's all pro and all that stuff, but the similarities are from the, from him. Tell us a little bit more about your brother, Quentin. I mean, we know your brother. I mean, what, the best player in North Dakota basketball history, but he's a hoopster now playing yeah. where somewhere somewhere overseas. I mean, he's making money playing professional basketball, but he went the basketball route. You went the football yeah. route. Yeah, I mean, the basketball just came easy to him. Like, I mean, you could see it from day one. I mean, it was just natural stuff he was doing in fourth and fifth grade that I tried to do, and I couldn't do it as well, but I mean, he worked really hard throughout his high school career to get where he was at in college, and he continued that same work ethic. And, I mean, he, he took that team to the tournament, and when the first year he got there, I think they were just about a 500 team. So, And now he's in France, and he was in Poland last year, so he's just doing a great job and hopefully keep moving up. Let's go back to when you were at Park Center High School. I mean, really not that long ago here in the Twin Cities. I mean, how far yeah. have you come as a player? Let's even circle back three, four years ago. I don't know, your junior year at Park Center High School mm-hmm. compared to where you are now. How much better of a player are you now compared to then? I'm way, I'm way better than I was before. I mean, just, just yeah. knowing the game. I mean, obviously in high school, you know the basics, like just cover two and all that stuff, but understanding like leverage and responsibilities and not only my responsibilities, but even like a defensive line, just the mental part of the game has, I've grown a lot. And also like the physical part, you know, coach Parker does a really good job of teaching the basics that, you know, a lot of guys don't teach. You can see that when you're watching films sometimes. And that's why a lot of guys, a lot of DBs from Iowa are very successful because it's the details that coach Parker really nicks and picks at. I mean, do you lean on some of those Iowa DBs that are now in the NFL, you know, whether it's a Jackson or a King? Oh, yeah. I mean, those are my guys. You know, we we talk every once in a while. Every time they're on TV or something after a game, I always hit them up and say, like, congrats or whatever. They're always talking to me. So, yeah, we're pretty close. 
Yeah, I mean, Desmond King and Josh Jackson, I mean, those guys, you would have played with both those guys, right? Yeah, I played with both of them, yep. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, Iowa has a history, a recent history, but even further back than that of, of producing mm-hmm. NFL defensive backs. Yeah, I mean, a lot of you know, a lot of guys when they come out, you know, they're kind of underrated. Like, I mean, Desmond King was a fifth round pick, and I, I think he was first, second round pick. And I mean, people are seeing that now as he was. Uh, I think he made the All Pro list. Yeah, I, think, I don't think he's a Pro Bowler, but he made the All Pro list. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one heck of a player. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. All right, take us back to the recruiting process. I mean, are you a firm believer that that things happen for a reason? That you know, you flew under the radar, right? I mean, heck, maybe you even played, you know, for a while with a chip on your shoulder. Maybe you still play with a chip on your shoulder. But are you a firm believer that everything worked out, you know, perfectly and things happened for a reason and how you ended up in Iowa City? Yeah, I believe it all happens for a reason. I mean, you know, we always want to get those big, you know, those big offers and, you know, get those stars and it looks all, it looks cool and stuff. But, you know, the main thing that my, my parents always talked about is just go somewhere that you like because if you like it, then you'll work harder when you're there and, if, if there are tough times, you can think back like, all right, well, I like this place to begin with, so I got to figure a way out to continue to like it and, you know, put myself in a position to be successful. And I think that at Iowa, I, mean, I think that was the right choice. I mean, look where I'm at today. I mean, I just give thanks to Coach Wallace who recruited me for, you know, giving me that shot, stopping in uh, to my school. I think it was my spring of my junior year. Who else had offered you? I had Northern Illinois, uh, NDSU, South Dakota, South Dakota State, um, New Mexico, um, Northern Iowa. So, you know, a lot of FCS schools. I mean, I, mean, the, I started my, yeah. my senior year, I started picking up some like messages and emails from other schools, but by that time, I was already committed to Iowa. I mean, Amani, I mean, the garring omission is the Gophers, right? That that, that was what the yeah. Jerry Kill staff, did they just uh-huh. not really recruit you? Um, nah, not really. I mean, I didn't really get much calls or messages from them. A lot of the conversations were about coming to camp and I, mean, I went to I think I went to three camps and after the third one it was my junior year I already had the Iowa offer and I was like you know what I mean this might not be the place for me and then it was that it was that from there I mean did you love being able to beat the Gophers then yeah I mean I'm, every team we beat you know I, I have fun you know, I have fun winning games so I mean it was cool to get that final win though in you know Minnesota Take us through what the next handful of weeks will look like for you. You're training in Florida, is that correct? Yep, I'm in uh, Boca Raton, Florida, training at uh, XPE Sports. Yep. So the next few weeks, you know, it's just kind of training just for the combine and getting working muscles you haven't worked before, you know. And, you know, during the season and off season when you're in college, you're, you're a football player. But right now we're, we're training like track stars, so. You know, it's a little different. Some muscles that you haven't worked before are going to be used and be sore. And then, you know, nutrition-wise as well, you have to be really smart with what you eat. With what you eat. Have you officially been invited to the combine? I mean, to me, it would seem like a no-brainer, the Big Ten defensive back of the year. But have you formally been invited to the combine? I have not formally been invited to the combine yet. Um, I don't think it really gets released to underclassmen yet until after the final January 14th uh, underclassmen date to declare. Sure. So, I mean, okay. I'm, I'm waiting for that. I mean... So we'll just see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer. Right? I, mean, yeah. I mean, hopefully, I do. I don't hopefully think you're. I don't think you're a second-team All-American and not get an invite to the combine. Yeah. Now, did you hire an agent too? Yeah, I did. I'm with JB Sports, and my agent is Jack Bechta. Okay, so. so I mean, he's he's been around, right? I mean, the name certainly rings a bell in my head. Yeah, he's been around. He has uh, guys. He has George Kittle, Micah mm-hmm. Hyde. Um, he has 
uh, Anthony Hitchens. He has, he has a lot of guys from Iowa, and I mean that was the reason why I kind of chose him because I trusted the guys that like like George Kittle and Josie Jewell. You know, those are guys I looked up to when I was a freshman, and since they picked them, so they may be you know gain more interest in him. And so, did you even reach out to George and to Josie to pick their brains when you were going through that process? Um, I reached out to Micah Hyde. I talked on the phone with him, and just you know, we talked for about thirty, forty-five minutes, just about the whole process and what he thought. You know, that was before I even, you know, before I even uh, declared after the bowl game. We talked, so you know, he had a lot of good uh, input and good information, and I really, it was a good, really good conversation. From a football standpoint, Amani, where where do you think you need to get better to play at the highest level? Um, I think this overall, every I think overall everything. You know, I mean, the next level is obviously going to be a challenge, from what I hear, mentally. And physically, I mean, everyone's going to be gifted. I mean, they're 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 up there for a reason. So, I would just say every aspect of the game. And I'll leave you with this: who's who's the better Park Center athlete, you, Quinton Hooker, or Dane Danger? Um, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to go with I'm gonna have to go with me for right now. <laughs> so, you know, Quinton was never really the best athlete, but so we'll see. I mean, what Dane can do. Yeah, he was Mr. Basketball, though, right? Yeah, he was. He was. And Dane has like 18 Division One offers. I mean, mm-hmm. so many big time nice. programs. He's only a junior, so he may get more oh, yeah. offers come April and May. So, yeah, I mean, Dane yeah, is, is blowing up at Park Center. Yeah, hopefully he can continue that. I mean, I watched him play, I think, twice now since he's been there, and he's, he's impressive. All right. All the best, Imani. Enjoy the training down there in Florida, and I'm sure we'll see you on TV here in a few weeks at the Combine. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Enjoy your night. That was the Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year, second team All-American from Park Center High School here in the Twin Cities, Amani Hooker. All right, let's transition to my conversation on Wednesday with Cole Aldrich. I actually connected with him at Mayo Clinic Square. That's where he's rehabbing his knee injury. I guess he's still making some money from the Wolves right this year, so technically he's all about being at Mayo Clinic Square, but yeah, it's just a coincidence that he's rehabbing with Mayo Clinic and with their offices there at Mayo Clinic Square where the Wolves have their practice facility. So anyway, that was on Wednesday. I connected with Cole Aldrich talking mostly about Ryan Saunders, but also about his time over in China. Here is my conversation with Cole Aldrich. Cole, just start with your background, how far back you and Ryan go, because we're not just talking your couple of years with the Wolves and him and his assistant. We're talking many, many years ago, right? Yeah, I've known Ryan since uh, sophomore, junior of high school. Um, he was a freshman at the U, and he redshirted, got hurt that year, and uh, came along and helped coach our AU team, which um, was was just awesome to have a guy around like that that knows so much. Well, I mean, did you see it then? So what AAU team was that? And did you see the coaching chops even way back then? So I was part of the Magic program back then. Um, I'm not sure if they're still around yet or not, but uh, you could tell. You know, he's just, he has such a high basketball IQ and, you know, being around his father for so long with coaching and he's, you know, he's always at the gym, always in the locker rooms and all that. You know, you, you pick up on that. And he has the relation part down too, right? Like he knows how to connect with you guys as players. He does. Yeah, I think that's probably one of his biggest assets is knowing how to relate. Um, you know, he's he's still really young. I mean, you look at the roster now, you got a few guys older than him on, on, on the team, and, you know, that's not going to be a problem at all because he's going to know how and when to push buttons and um, when to kind of take a, take a seat back. 
And, I mean, we even saw it last night when he's telling Dario, hey, even though you missed a couple threes, I'm going to get you back in the game. You're going to hit a big shot. I mean, who cares? 32 is just a number. When guys believe in you, right, and you believe in those guys, that connection, the number is just its irrelevant at that point. Yeah. I, I think kind of watching the game last night, you see a little more maybe free playing in a sense where guys would come down. It's a quicker shot where, where maybe in the past it was kind of like, oh, let's, let's set something up, and now it's, you know, let's, let's kind of go with this way, and we're going to try it, and I think it's going to work for them because, I mean, you look at Wiggs, and he's, he's going to be great transition. You know, being able to get out, he's long, he's athletic, he can finish. Those things are going to really suit him well. What did you see when you came here so, I mean, did you and Ryan keep in touch over the years, but then you come here and you see him interacting, more so maybe with the guards, but you saw him interacting in practice, coaching guys up? Oh, I mean, when Ryan was in Washington with, uh, with Whitman as, as the head coach there, I would come into town or he would come in wherever we were, and it was just sit down before the game for, you know, a solid half hour, and we'd just kind of BS. It's just kind of like nothing had changed. So, I mean, that's the beauty of it where – he can command respect, but in many ways, he can also be friends with a lot of the guys. Oh, totally. You know, I, I sent him a text and just kind of said, I'm happy for you. We always talk about taking advantage of the opportunity, and, you know, his opportunity came around. Who would have thought that it would have been this year or next year or the following year? But here it is, and, you know, I, I believe he's going to take full advantage of it. I mean, is your hope? I mean, you still have allegiance to this town to this franchise i mean is your hope that maybe ryan can run with this thing long term oh i would love to see him um you know whether it's ryan or tom or whoever it was you know i just want to see the wolves do well and and last year being a part of that playoff run finally was great and you know if we can just kind of find a way to build off of it i grew up here and this is home for me so i i want them to do well how much different is ryan from tom Probably polar opposites in, in a lot of ways. Um, I'm sure you probably haven't talked a whole lot with Ryan, maybe a little bit over the years, but um, they're just they're different. Their philosophies are different, and you're going to kind of see that with guys. Um, not that Tom's philosophy was bad, but you know the change of pace is, is probably going to be a little refreshing for some of the guys. What kind of work ethic does Ryan have? Maybe not as crazy as Tom because <laughs> Tom would be here from 5 a.m. to 11.30 at night. But, um, you, you know, Ryan, Ryan he, he works hard. He knows his stuff, and that's really all it comes down to is, is putting the prep work in and, and making sure that the guys are in the best position to find a way to win a game. What else stood out as you were watching the game last night? Just excitement. Guys are fighting for each other. Um, you just kind of see a lot of times you'll see a coach get fired and the kind of the team rallies around them and and it lasts a week or so. But I, I, I see this team really kind of running with it. It's about halfway through the year and, you know, there's a few games out of the playoffs. So there's an opportunity to still do quite a bit of good things. Is it weird? I mean, while we have you, is it weird with you being here but no longer being on the team? You know, I, I went to the Lakers game on on Sunday and I was sitting kind of behind the bench, and it was a little weird in a sense, but being in China and coming back home now rehabbing, that maybe was more weird than kind of being in the Target Center watching the team that I was with last year just because 
you know, I've done that a number of times. I was on other teams, and if I had a little bit of break, then I would come back here. And it, it was kind of fun to, to, to see those guys just play again because, you know, I, I love everybody here, and they're all my friends. I mean, okay, so you're there on Sunday. You watch them just demolish the Lakers, albeit minus three key players, including the greatest player on the planet in LeBron. But nonetheless, they win by 20-something points. I mean, what was your reaction when you heard a handful of hours later Tom Thibodeau has been relieved of his duties? You know, it was maybe a little surprising at the time of, you know, it's it's kind of still semi-early in the season. Usually if a guy gets let go, it's kind of towards the end of the season and and they just want to try a new guy for a few months. But um, that means that Glenn and, and the rest of the management have a lot of confidence in, in Ryan and know that, you know, he has an opportunity to be part of the future. I'll let you go after this. I mean, you mentioned you're back here rehabbing. Just take us through on camera. Okay, so knee injury over in China, rehabbing for a few weeks, but then back to China? Yeah, so I, got, I had a guy fall into my knee, so it was kind of just a freak thing. Um, thought it was my ACL. Thankfully, it turned out to be my MCL. And I'm just kind of next door over here rehabbing, getting myself back uh, into shape and going to head back there. And I'll be there about six weeks. So we've got about eight games in that six weeks with the Chinese New Year and another little break that we have. Finish the season out and um, kind of go from there. See, see what happens if, you know, there's an opportunity here, an opportunity to go back there. You know, we'll kind of figure that out this summer. What's the competition like over there in China? It's such a different game. It's kind of like the NBA, but it's, it's very different in relying heavily on the imports. So it's, it's me and another guy, Taylor Rochester, that um, I played in Washington State. He's from Santa Barbara. He's played in Euro uh, his whole career. But, you know, it, it relies heavily on us. And kind of the difference maker of the games between the good teams and the bad teams are, are what we call the local players, the local Chinese. And, you know, if they're making shots, you know, we really, our team personally has an opportunity to win. And if they're not, then, you know, we, we might lose by 15, 20, 25. You're saying they don't play much defense? Um, you know, some of the, some of the imports are just so much better than those guys in, and that's kind of, I mean, you see guys that have big numbers. Um, I saw Thomas Robinson the other night had like 38 and 35. And then Shabazz had 60 and 15. And I had a game that I played 24 minutes and I had 18 and 18. So you can kind of get rolling in the sense because you have that opportunity. I am the LeBron of, uh, of our team. <laughs> means you got to play a little point guard then <laughs> twice i have uh, one turned out really good and the other one was was okay <laughs> love catching up with the pride of bloomington bloomington jefferson high school former wolf center cole aldrich on shabazz muhammad i was actually swapping messages with shabazz the other day he'll be on a future podcast he had 60 points and something like 15 assists in a game the other day in china and I said, Shabazz, 15 assists or whatever it was. It was like double-digit assists. I mean, heck, with the Wolves, I mean, he'd be lucky to have one assist. He's actually playing some point guard over there. I mean, Shabazz Muhammad can dominate the Chinese Basketball League. But, yeah, Cole Aldrich competes against 
Shabazz Mohammed, Thomas Robinson, and some other noteworthy names. The Scoop Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie, MyBookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you are betting with. That's why I always recommend MyBookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have phenomenal reviews. Just go to Google, type in MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, MyBookie, and you can read all about the phenomenal reviews. And here's more proof that they know what they're doing. They're slammed with new betters right now. So if you're willing to deposit your money after 6 p.m. Central Time, they will give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. You join MyBookie right now. They will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code SCOOP. Promo code SCOOP. When signing up on MyBookie.com. MyBookie, MyBookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's get to notes. There's no doubt in my mind that Ryan Saunders, this isn't recency bias based on the Tuesday night win. There's no doubt in my mind that he will have an opportunity to earn the job full time. But keep in mind, I've had some really smart NBA people, those who know Ryan included, say, hey, he's never even been a number one assistant, and your duties as a number two or number three assistant compared to even a number one assistant are different. So would it make some sense to bring in somebody like Fred Hoiberg and have Ryan stay? I mean, the players think the world of him. The Taylor family thinks the world of him. I mean, everybody in the organization thinks the world of Ryan. He's incredibly likable. Would it make some sense to retain him and have him be the number one assistant? Now, hey, if they end up making the playoffs, maybe even do some damage in the playoffs in this uber-competitive Western Conference, all bets are off, right? You just you hand him the keys. You say, okay, Ryan, you just did that with that roster in this super-competitive conference. Yeah, you've earned the opportunity to be full-time coach. But, hey, it's a rocky schedule. It is a really, really tough conference. I mean, first place and 14th place are separated by, like, 10 in the loss column. So you look at the 14th place team, Memphis or New Orleans, and the first place team, Denver. I mean, so many teams are grouped together. The Wolves are still in 11th place or tied for 10th, I guess, with Sacramento. So they're not even in the top eight as I speak here on the 10th of January, Thursday night. So there's still work to do. As much fun as Tuesday was, there's still so much work to do just to climb into the top eight. So I would not be surprised, just based on what I can gather, if Ryan does stay with the Wolves, but he stays with the Wolves as a lead assistant. So whether that's Fred, whether that's somebody else, that that path may make more sense. On Hoiberg, there is no steam right now. Glenn and Fred have an excellent relationship. They've talked since Fred got let go by Chicago. I don't see Fred taking the UCLA job. I don't necessarily see him taking a college job. Not that he hated recruiting in Ames, but I think he prefers. I just I sense that he prefers the NBA game, that there may be an NBA opportunity come April, whether it's here or somewhere else. But I can't stress enough, because of the Glenn Taylor-Fred Hoiberg relationship, Fred is absolutely a name to watch. Dave Yeager would one day love to coach the Wolves, but somebody close to Dave told me, hey, he really likes it in Sacramento. As dysfunctional maybe as that front office is, he really loves coaching De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, who's hurt right now, but he thinks those two guys are going to be multi-time All-Stars. He really likes the roster 
there in Sacramento. Feels like he can win long-term, that maybe the health of that roster is better than the health of the Wolves roster, and we could have a healthy debate about that. But I just know that Dave really, really likes the Sacramento roster. Dave has one year to go on his contract beyond this year. So it's not like he's a coaching free agent. So unless Sacramento, which they're capable of, screws this thing up, I think Dave probably stays in Sacramento. On Chauncey Billups, well, you know what? One more name on the coaching front, Monty Williams. Glenn Taylor thought the world of Monty Williams back in 2016. He's now an assistant where in Philadelphia. I know that Monty's camp has their eyes on the Wolves job. I'm sure Monty has interest in the Wolves job, but I just don't know if I would put him, you know, pecking scale. I don't know if I'd put him above Fred Hoiberg at this particular time. On Scott Layden, dead man walking, I guess we'll see. I mean, heck, if the Wolves make the playoffs, hey, maybe Scott's back and Ryan is back as the full-time head coach. But, yeah, I think it's a slippery slope as Scott gets toward the trade deadline in early February. How he navigates the trade deadline, is he thinking more short-term or long-term? To me, that is incredibly fascinating. But if I had to bet, I think it's inevitable. I think it's a matter of when, not if. Scott Layden is not running the Wolves front office. So a name that's come up is the name of Chauncey Billups. Turned down the Cleveland Cavaliers. He played here, so he's got connections to Minnesota. Here's what I was told about Chauncey, that he really enjoys working for ESPN right now. In fact, I'm hoping to have him on this podcast in the coming weeks. I texted him recently. He didn't get back to me yet. I'll call him in the in the near future. I'm hoping to have Chauncey on the podcast, although I don't know how much he'll offer on the record, but that Chauncey, somebody close to Chauncey told me this, that Chauncey really likes working for ESPN. He doesn't need a president of operations job, doesn't need the money. So he's looking for the perfect opportunity that he views it, whether it's right or wrong. He views it that whenever he takes a president of operations job, if he does, when, if, we don't know if it's a when or if it's an if, but if he does, that he'll view that as his one and only chance to run a front office. So you don't want to screw it up. So you want to go to the perfect, or at least in your mind, the perfect situation. I was told that he doesn't necessarily, for different reasons, including, I think, working for Glenn Taylor, I don't think he views this situation as the perfect situation. Also, him and Ty Lu are incredibly close. Ty Lu is a coaching free agent right now would one stipulation be hey if you hire me I want to hire Ty Lue as my coach would that be a deal breaker for the Wolves so I just I think that's a long shot I know that his name has come up internally Chauncey Billups has fans over at Target Center Mayo Clinic Square but I just don't know right now from what I can gather if Chauncey should be considered a candidate for the president of operations job maybe by the Wolves but that it may not be reciprocated that Chauncey isn't quite ready to jump here to Minnesota. I still think, I'm just telling you from what I can gather, I still think the name Fred Hoiberg resonates a ton as we approach April. On the trade front, I know the Pistons, the Lakers, the Sixers, and the Rockets remain interested in Anthony Tolliver, but no trade is close. The deadline is now less than a month away. It looks like Derrick Rose, I talked to him the other day, it looks like after he practiced fully on Thursday that he should play Friday against Dallas. I went back and forth with a business folk over there who said there has been an uptick in ticket sales for Friday night, Ryan Saunders' home debut, but they were so far behind in terms of a sellout that there would need to be a lot of movement Friday morning, Friday afternoon for them to sell out Target Center Friday night against Dallas. But there has been an uptick, not just Friday night, for some other future games with Tom Thibodeau out 
with Ryan Saunders in. Remember, it's like a week or two from now that season ticket renewals go out. Now, when you make a decision to fire Tom Thibodeau, it's all-encompassing. It's not just the business side that caused the firing of Tom Thibodeau. A lot of people in that organization have their fingerprints on a decision like that. But do remember, there was a disconnect. Tibbs with the business side, that there is a concern from the business side as they send out these season ticket renewals in a couple weeks. So a lot of that concern has gone away, that they feel like what Ryan Saunders now in charge, that maybe some people that were on the fence about renewing will renew. And I have no doubt in my mind that Ryan will kick some serious ass when it comes to helping out the business side. For example, if a Ryan Tanky or somebody else with the Wolves goes to Ryan and says, hey, we need you to reach out to a season ticket holder. This season ticket holder is on the fence. He or she doesn't know if they will renew their season tickets. I have no doubt in my mind that Ryan will call that individual and probably convince that individual to renew his or her season tickets. Flip used to do that stuff all the time, and I know that Ryan took diligent notes watching his best friend, his dad, along the way. On the Twins, I am told they have reached a deal with Byron Buxton. One year, $1.75 million. He made $570,000 Last year, this was his first year of being arbitration eligible. The deadline is noon, noon central on Friday for the Twins to reach agreements with all their arbitration eligible players or after that talks can continue. But it looks like the Twins, because they went to a trial last year with Kyle Gibson, that if they don't reach a deal with all their arbitration eligible guys, thinking about Trevor May, Jake Odorizzi, Kyle Gibson again, Max Kepler, Eddie Rosario, Miguel Sano. I just said that they have a deal done with Byron Buxton, but they have other deals to get done. C.J. Crone is done. Andreanza is done, but they still have a lot of guys to go on the arbitration front, but that the Twins, like a lot of teams right now, are not afraid to go in front of the judge. And the Twins won that case last year against Kyle Gibson. That case last year was the first time the Twins had gone in front of a judge in like 10 or 15 years. Kyle Loesch, way back when, but yeah, this new Twins regime is not afraid to go in front of the judge. So it'll be interesting to see as this thing shakes out. I do know that they've been talking about one-year deals with most of these guys. I've not heard any buzz about multi-year deals. Now, those talks can pick up later on. You can agree to a one-year deal now, then revisit multi-year extensions later on. But I do know that the Byron Buxton deal is done. It is done ahead of the Friday noon deadline. The Twins are still monitoring the pitching market, starters and relievers, but I'm told... Nothing is imminent on some free agent starters. Guys like Wade Miley, who threw for a scout the other day, was not a twin scout. The twins really aren't showing interest in Miley. No interest in Drew Pomerantz. No interest in Clay Buckholtz. They did not have interest in Shelby Miller, who signed with the Rangers the other day. So there's all these free agents, and I know the twins are monitoring the market, but really the twins are not showing any serious interest in anyone from what I can gather. Blake Parker is still a verbal deal. The Twins have not officially signed Blake Parker. I'll be curious to see what the 40-man move is there. The former Angels reliever, who has a chance to be the closer here. Pretty good deal. One year, $3.2 million. The Angels non-tendered him earlier this winter. On the Vikings, I am told it's a two-year deal for Kevin Stefanski. So you think about Mike Zimmer, only signed for one more year. Kevin Stefanski now signed for two years. On Joe Philbin, credit to Bob McGinn, longtime NFL writer, based in the state of Wisconsin. He's been around forever. He had the scoop on Wednesday night that the Vikings have requested permission with the Packers to interview Philbin. The Packers have said, yeah, go ahead, interview him. A source close to Philbin telling me on Thursday that, yeah, it's a decent bet. You know, there's still some things to figure out, but a decent bet that Philbin ultimately 
joins the Vikings as offensive line coach. Now, I do know that Mike Zimmer likes Clancy Barone, so is there a scenario where maybe Barone returns to his old job with the Vikings coaching tight ends? I would make Drew Petzing the favorite to be the quarterback's coach. So it's Stefanski moving up. Petzing was the assistant quarterback's coach. There's a good relationship there. I know the Vikings think highly of Petzing. I would make him the favorite to be the quarterback's coach. And there remains interest in re-signing Mike Prefer to be the special teams coordinator. So we'll wait and see if they can get a deal done. Local NFL agent Blake Barretts lands Blake Cashman of the Gophers, and he lands C.J. Ham, Vikings fullback. On Kirk Shiraka choosing to stay with the Gophers, not taking the West Virginia offensive coordinator job. Some background, some things I heard. He is close with Neil Brown, the new West Virginia coach. In fact, he had some offensive players. Kirk, this is. He had some Gophers offensive players in the last year, year plus. Watch Troy offensive video. So Neil Brown is the former coach at Troy, now the new head coach at West Virginia. Shiraka has a son that will play college lacrosse out east starting next year. Shiraka is from the state of Pennsylvania. Brown and him worked together many years ago at the University of Delaware. So there's ties to the East Coast, and there's a family situation starting next year with a son out there. But I'm also told that Shiraka thinks the world of P.J. Fleck, that the coach that P.J. Fleck is closest with is Kirk Shiraka, that after the 13-win season at Western Michigan, Shiraka could have jumped ship. I'm told he had a chance to go to the University of Auburn. He tells Auburn no. He goes with P.J., here to Minnesota, that he really likes what he has started here, really loves what the offense accomplished this past year, and because he thinks the world of P.J., plus I'm sure there's going to be a little bit more money involved, that Chiraka had to wrestle with the decision because of his love for Neil Brown and the ties out east, that it was not an easy call, but because of his love for P.J. and where he thinks this offense can go, what they just accomplished this past year, plus maybe a little bump in salary, that Kirk Chiraka is staying as the Gophers offensive coordinator. So that is a big win for the Gophers and for Gophers fans. Jalen Suggs, Minnehaha Academy Jr., had Kansas and Gonzaga assistant coaches in earlier this week. Both those programs, Kansas and Gonzaga, want Suggs badly. Everybody, just about everybody in the country wants Suggs badly. One of the great high school athletes in the country. Great quarterback with great football offers, great basketball point guard with many, many offers, possibly has a future in the NBA. Jalen Suggs of Minnehaha Academy class of 2020. That will wrap up Scoop Podcast episode 195. I'm supposed to connect with George Carl, catch up with our buddy George Carl, one of the all-time winningest coaches in NBA history, maybe on Friday, although I may push that to next week. Working on Chauncey Billups, should have Glenn Taylor at some point, might still be a couple weeks away. I texted with Sam Mitchell the other day. Sam thinks the world of Ryan, so I'd like to have Sam back on the podcast. And as we approach Twins Fest, I'll track down somebody. It's been a while since we've had our buddy Thad Levine on the podcast, so maybe I'll track him down in the very near future. Plus, Matt Hendricks is a buddy of the podcast, Ryan Suter. So I'll track down something on the hockey front as well. So always appreciate you checking out the Scoop Podcast. Episode 195 is in the books. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher 
And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.